I'm Ricky Martin, this is the Recruiter Ricky podcast where we're trying to unearth some hidden gems about how to get hired, how to maximise your chances and really help you in future lives. I'm here with none other than an investor, an entrepreneur and an ex-dragon, Piers Linney. Thanks for joining me, Piers. Thank you for having me on. Um, we've met for the first time today and had a chat about a few things. I think what's really helpful for everyone is just to really understand the scale of what you've done before because you've hired, you've fired, dare I say the word fire, um, and you've helped people come through a business. So could you just tell me a little bit about your journey since you studied law and accountancy and then you moved on from there? Are you going to need a longer podcast, I think? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think one thing there is I think you shouldn't be afraid of talking about firing because it's an important part of the process. So I, I've been talent myself and I've been through the recruitment process, applying by CV. I've been through search firms and the various ways of getting jobs. I've been an employer as well. And I've also been an investor looking at putting people into companies yeah. and working with management teams to try and hire people. So I've seen a lot and in my own companies, I've had companies up to 300 people we've restructured. Yeah. Like companies where 250 at the beginning almost, we acquired them, we added 100. When we sold them, there was 150 because we rationalized in youth yeah. technology. So I, you know, I always say in everything I do that I'm very a big believer in talent, but business essentially is about people. It's about your team. And when you're selling, typically people do business with people. So it's incredibly important, which is why I'm here talking to you about it. Brilliant, and I think there's nothing more important about people than actually when you're an investor and you're trying to bring a business from either a concept to market or change it around, it's all about the people you're going into. So there's no better interview process than looking at who's leading this firm, who am I going to part with money to bring them in. And when we think about your experience in investing, what do you always look for in your in the person you're investing from? In the investing, in the entrepreneur? Yeah, what do you want from the entrepreneur? Um, so it depends where you're looking. People get confused about uh, I always say that you know, it's about people. Essentially, if it's a startup, you're investing in the person. So in Dragon's Den, for example, we may as well talk about that a yeah, little of bit. Course. You're the person that walks out, typically it might be an idea or it may be a very, very early stage business. And you're investing essentially in that person. You, yes, you, you want to understand the market they're going into, mm. the potential, the potential size of the prize and the economic terms, all that good stuff. But you're investing in that person can they deliver on their vision? And typically, as we all know, your vision is gonna change. Yeah. So if they have to change the business, pivot the business, make difficult decisions, is it somebody that can do that? And then the last piece I think is, which is incredibly important, is can you work with them? Now, in Dragon's Den, you don't get a lot of time to work that out. Mm. And sometimes I found that, yes, you can. Sometimes, no, I can't really. But in a more normal process, that's a key part of it. As a business evolves, it gets bigger. You know, look at a venture, mm. um, especially more established businesses. If the management team disappeared overnight, would it really matter? You could carry on by putting a new team in. So it depends where you are in the process, but essentially in young companies, it's about the team. And what I found is, and I found work the hardware myself, is that the founding team, the management team in a young company won't essentially have the skills and the wherewithal or the, the capability to actually run a bigger business. So I've been through companies I've had where I've swapped out the whole management team probably three times okay. over four or five years. I think what's really interesting, particularly if, if we think of what's the most relatable to anyone thinking of employability, it is those small businesses, it is that founder entrepreneur-led company because you don't have to be an entrepreneur to get a job. Ultimately, if you're going into the job process, it's just like asking for investment. So, And nine times out of 10 when we're hiring, we're hiring the person, not the CV. Um, if you can look back and reflect, are there any occasions? And if there are, can you share them where you've actually um, invested into the idea more than the person stood in front of you? 
Um, no, not early stage. Okay. No. And what if, about if, when if, hiring? So think of within a business and now you're looking at a CV and you want that CV. Hiring I have. Okay. So, um, I'll give one example. So a couple of years ago, we were hiring a, like an administrator office manager. Mm. And I wanted somebody that could work with us. We're going to spend all day with this person because we were office based quite a lot. And we had a, a, a young lady that came in and we said, you know, read your CV. A, I can see there's a bit of PR going on there. What was your last job? Because there's a bit of a gap. My last job was working, um, selling tickets at a phone party in Ibiza. And okay. I sort of we would interview probably five people for this role who had experienced office administrators. And I kind of thought, you're in. <laughs> and the reason for that was the personality, okay. the fact that if you can deal with that, you can deal with us and anything's going to happen. And is it fair to say she was probably the least qualified of the office managers but had the character? On paper, wanted. absolutely, yeah. 100%. She had a bit of experience, but it was more out of uni, had a few odd jobs. And uh, she, actually, she actually went on to have a career in recruitment. Fantastic. Well, she made a great career choice then. That's all I will say. And I think what's interesting, and I say this time and time again, we, we work with people, we don't work with CVs. I think it's important. And if we look at other parts of what you're doing now, so if we think of kind of over the last 12 months, what is it you're working on now? And we can look at how that feeds into it. So I've got a, a sort of a portfolio of things mm. um, and they kind of blow up over time sometimes, good and bad. So sometimes there'll be a funding round, I want some support and I'll, I'll get involved. Some of them have evolved past needing my help now. They've mm. got you know, institutional investors. Um, and I've been sort of, as you probably have probably seen, of sort of creating content really to try and help small businesses and yeah. people growing them. Because what I found was that, and it's probably why you're doing your podcast too, is that there's a lot of content out there, but a lot of it's rubbish. It's a lot of hot air for sure. A lot of it's motivational. So go vegan, run a marathon, yeah. ask the universe, you'll be a billionaire. It's nonsense. We all know, as you know, building your business, it's hard graft and it, it completely revolves around people. And then what I've been looking at really is different markets interest me. So I've still got the entrepreneurial bug. I want, I want to sort of do something and build businesses. And also I get bored pretty easily as well. So I've been looking at different markets that interest me. So thematically, things like uh, wellness, so yeah. health, nutrition, exercise, and also clean beauty. Uh, and also my expertise, my real background is in telecoms, IT, media, mm. TMT. So I've been looking at that. So I'm looking at potentially starting a business um, in that sector. I won't get into huge detail right now. So I'm not sure about all the detail myself yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm working <laughs> on that. And that's something that's been keeping me keeping me busy, as well as the content. And I've been working with quite a few brands as well, but doing things like this and just trying to support businesses, be it startups, be it SMEs and small. I'm also on the board of the Government Bank, of Business, course, business yeah. Bank. So I've been doing, I did a small business advice week last week. We're talking about helping businesses understand their financing options. So I'm very passionate about that. I'm also passionate, maybe we'll talk about that, about diversity and talent. And if we think of, because that is getting more and more critical, I think, to growing workforces that are relevant for today and actually bringing in talent that we might not have traditionally thought are going to take us to the next level. But if we think of day to day and what you're doing, and I always look at any time a business is start up, it's no different to a new employee joining a firm and actually joining the firm for the first time. Is there a common question that people are always asking you when they're looking for advice about starting up? What do I do? How do I, what's the thing that you hear again and again? Uh, there's no common question. I think it's um, <clears throat> an obvious one is about financing. How do I raise money? Which is not, not no easy answer to that question. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's about, I guess what this podcast is about, it's about people. Yeah. How do I find the right people? How do I get people to work with me that I can't afford? Um, should I have a co-founder? And what kind of co-founder and why? So a lot of the questions initially are about people and starting up. And also something that I'm, I constantly talk to young companies about entrepreneurs is, how do I manage people? So hiring people, 
starting a business. Mm. Um, investing in businesses is, is easy in many ways. You bring them on board and sign an employment contract. Um, managing people or managing that investment and getting out of yeah. that investment or parting company with people or incentivizing them to do well can be very, very difficult. And it's, something, it's a skill you learn over time. And if we think of, you shared it right at the beginning, that we shouldn't be afraid of the word firing. And I think it works both ways. Anytime someone resigns for a company, it's a, it's a choice that they make. If a company makes a decision, you're not right for our future. It's not a, an afraid thing to say. Um, if we consider that you're bringing people in, you're bringing a management team in, that people you hire from the beginning, co-founders or not, might not be the people that are there in five years. So if you were trying to inspire somebody as a manager who has a team but knows he wants to grow the business to a different level and needs to make changes. What advice could you give them to drive changes in that team and not be afraid to do so? Well, so the first thing is, is you do need to have a recruitment process and it mm. might be a very simple one. Yeah. We need to socialize people, you know, have a, a, almost a formal process. I don't care how big your company is. You need to talk to them. Other members of your team need to talk to them. Do take up references and to make sure you, you've done your due diligence in many ways. But you, you never know until somebody's really in the business how that's going to work out. Typically, you have a probation period. Now, Absolutely. what happens in young companies is yeah. somebody comes in, six-month probation period, you get to month five, oh, they're not doing particularly well, mm -hmm. I'm too busy to manage them, but they got good. I'm sure they'll work out eventually, we'll give them a bit of support. Now you trip past that, maybe you extend it, but you're so busy putting out fires and building your business and doing mm. the interesting stuff, you're not in the detail. And what you have to do is be pretty harsh in those early days. If somebody's not working out, you need to manage that, have the conversations. At the end of that period, if it's not working out, you've got to part company. Yeah. And yes, you're gonna to have to start another recruitment process. Yes, it could be expensive and time consuming, but the damage the wrong people can do to your business in the, even the short term actually, can be, it can be fatal in some cases. Well, I always call it almost poison. You can keep someone in your business that is poisonous to the culture around them. And I've done it in the early stage. I've had people where I know I should have moved on from them, but the pain of, having to consider rehire and the pain of considering retraining. And it was early stages, I was kind of like this MD doing every single job in the company that I made bad decisions at that point. Oh, and, I've done that as well. And, so um, I, quite like, I quite like the Jack Welch matrix. Yeah. You've ever come across that. So I Jack haven't. Welch was the uh, famous um, former CEO of GE. He's got a matrix where it has people in terms of their capability and their suitability in the business, i.e. do they match the brand and your ethos? So you might have somebody who's amazing at what they do and really fits in, perfect, keep them. Somebody who is not particularly good at what they do, but fits in, you can maybe develop them into yep. being better at what they do. Somebody who is just, just does not fit in whatsoever and is rubbish at what they do, you probably need to part company with them. The tricky ones are those that they are absolutely, they are poison. They yeah. don't fit in really. It's your sales director who keeps upsetting yeah. everybody in the company, mm. accounts, commercial, whatever, whatever department they touch. Yeah. But actually, they're doing really well. They're hitting the numbers. You've still got to part company with them because in the long term, mm. they're going to do more damage than they do good. I think that's something that I think managers and directors need to be brave about because I've always had this conversation to say, would you let go of your best performing sales employee if they disrupted everyone around them? And nine times out of 10, you remove the disruptor, everybody else rises up and everybody around them actually gets the opportunity to maybe Wait, spread the load. It's short term yeah. versus long term, isn't it? It's in the short term, you may feel some pain. But in the long term, your business, that the culture of your your team at large, mm. how that ship operates, that team, that machine, is far more important about how one particular battery or cog 
is operating at at one point in time. I think what's interesting for people to listen to this is um, ultimately it's not to be worried that people are going to make rash decisions and let you go. But I think the key thing to say is you can be the best performer in what you do, but if you're not the right people person for the company, you don't embrace the culture and you don't live and breathe their values, um, is it the right firm for you would be my first question. You might be making the money, but are you happy? And secondly, do you think that's fair for the company to hold up the culture of how they're growing? So um, I guess it's given people the responsibility to, to know who they are in their own companies. It's a bigger issue now as well, because if you're, say, a B2B business and someone's um, cultural, how to put it, start that again. So if you're a B2B business, it's a bit more, it's not as important. If you're a B2C business and someone's cultural, how to put it, sort of ineptitude, mm. it's actually reflected in your, your business, your product, your customers can see it, it's visible, then you've got a problem because customers increasingly are looking at the culture of your business, the provenance, what's behind the marketing, what's behind the brand story. You know, is the founder somebody actually want to buy a product of? Mm. In the old days of you know, stacking them high, selling them cheap are, are sort of disappearing. The, the consumers of tomorrow are looking under the bonnet. And if we think of going through the process in the years for maybe when you were starting out in your career and you were interviewing for jobs and trialing jobs, do you think that how you hire now as the employer compared to how you were looking for jobs as an employee has changed? So I, I've learned to be more um, ruthless okay. when it comes down to it. So in the business I'm looking at now, potentially starting, is a lot of the people I know they're out there. My job really is to try and talk them out of quite nice jobs I've got these days okay. and come to work for me again. But so what is that I, to trust you and well, your vision that, of where you're that going? Point, it's the I've built trust in people and loyalty over time. Now I'll admit, naturally, I'm not really fantastically good at or enjoy the minutiae of managing people. And you have to manage people. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one where with a pistol, I'll take them over the top and that they'll follow me, which is great. But that only works so far. You have to have um, a systems and processes to manage people. And doesn't matter how small your company is, it could be two of you or three of you. Yeah. If you're not sitting down with your team once a week, once a month, whatever's necessary, whatever works, and having a conversation about what you're doing, what they're doing, how things are going, your aspirations, their aspirations, eventually you're gonna to lose touch with your team and the wheels are gonna fall off. So if we think of it from the other side, what we've discussed is how to retain staff, how to inspire, develop and move them on through processes and people. But if we think of somebody joining your firm and they want to get on, they want to be with you the next three or five years, what do they need to bring to the table to impress you to take them on that journey if they're capable? So going back to the Jack Wells matrix I mentioned earlier, you may want to, if you don't, we're going to put that in. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah. in case you don't put it in. So going back to the matrix I mentioned earlier is that, I won't say earlier, going back to the matrix about are people good at what they do and do they fit into the business? Um, essentially, you're going to sort of try and tick the boxes in your due diligence when you hire them. Mm. Uh, are they good at what they do and can I work with them? There's then a process of, well, working out, are they actually good at what they do? Do they deliver? And that's why, and I find lots of small companies, people think, oh, you know, let's be quite flat and let them get on with it. People actually like to know the context in which they were hired and what they're supposed to do. People like targets, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're the expert at this, but the way in which your sales team works mm. is very much defined by the comp plan. And human behavior is very much defined by the comp plan. If you said to somebody, you know, I want to sell green widgets and next week they're selling red widgets, mm. you suddenly comp them more to sell green widgets, they'll start selling green widgets. That's how it works. So it's a process of working out, are they good at what they do? And if not, can I, within a reasonable, amount, reasonable time period and a reasonable expense, mm. can I get them from where they are 
to where they need to be. And what we're looking at there is unlocking the potential in your talent. Yeah. Um, what we're also working out is, can you? And if you can't true. get them from A to B, you need to, in a young company, you're gonna make very difficult decisions very quickly. Part company with them and move on. It's not personal, it's just the nature of business. I think provided that the decisions have been made that are understanding, that the person's had their checkpoints, they know the goals. I think everybody appreciates that relationships start and relationships end. Um, but I think the real thing that's hard to find, and until they start, and you, you've referenced this, until they start in your firm, you don't really know if they're going to work out. We're making educated guesses on references, whether it's a recruiter or whoever that might have helped. But are there ways you try and identify potential in your interview or the CV? Are you asking certain questions or trying to see something in their past behaviours to, to, to demonstrate it? Um, so it depends what the context is. So in, in my businesses, is you know I'm, there is a process actually. So I will go through it. But having ticked all those boxes and done that homework, essentially, it's really about the person, the okay. individual. And can I work with them? Are they going to, in the darkest days, uh, going to stick with this? Or are they just going to pack up and leave and get a job? Because people, you know, I found that it's a weird word to use, but loyalty. So I've had people, I've been in a business where, I'll give an example, where we were sort of a short of cash and I was sitting there with my business partner thinking, well, we've got quite a few people here to pay, but can I have to sort of think about how we do this? Do we put more money in what we're going to do? And then some of the payroll went out and I sort of spoke to the head of finance saying, well, how do you manage that? He said, the whole finance team didn't pay themselves this month. They honestly did that? Yeah. And I'm kind of... I mean, even now, actually, yeah. I can feel the hair standing off my arms. So obviously they got paid within days because but the fact they did that without even talking to yeah. them, probably not a great thing in some ways, yeah. but in other ways, it just shows that they- Proof their commitment to the cause. The commitment, they believe in the law, so that they were looked after. But sort of, I think, can I work with these people and will they be loyal to an extent? Also, it's a two-way street. So mm. can I develop these people? Can I actually give this person what they want? Can I help deliver on their aspirations in terms of their career? Because if you can't, if it's not a two-way street, eventually, you know, if it's a one-way street, the relationship's going to break down. So a lot of people I work with over the years, I've had, you know, some difficult people, and a lot of them are sort of senior team now. Mm. I've gone on to do great things and it's, it's quite amazing for me to catch up with them and see what where they've got to it's a compliment to the vision you put and the time you spent with them and you mentioned you obviously we're, we're checking the person as much as we can um how much do you do or any of the business you're involved in or have invested in actually get involved in social checking so looking at their social uh, yeah. accounts no i haven't done that yet actually that's quite a new a new a lot of people i'm working with i kind of know them yeah but I guess in the future, going forward, that's something which will be will form part of the process. Now, I'm lucky because uh, I kind of grew up and started interviewing before there was social media. Of course, yeah. So I think if there was social media, I probably wouldn't have got the jobs that I got. <laughs> but um, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's a big conversation. That There's about a balance between is it a professional brand into? or personal yeah. brand? And um, but if someone's obviously you know doing something which is completely anathema compared to my own personal yeah. um, mores or the culture of the business, then it's not gonna work. But if someone's, you know, I don't know, the obvious one is partying. If someone's out partying all the time and is on Facebook or somewhere drunk a lot or looking like they are, where's that line? Mm. Where's it crossed? And I think um, I'm a big believer in talent. I think the last generation's got a lot to learn about what they put on social media. But we all know there are moments that where we've got a bit excitable in life that we probably wouldn't want on a billboard Absolutely. by the motorway. Yeah. 
And I always work on the basis that if my parents, if I didn't want my parents to see it, do I want the rest of the world to see it? And I think uh, social cleansing, as I would call it, is something we're finding more and more is getting apparent when it's hiring process. And it's not just so what's at, that? people are going it's back. It's just looking at social accounts. It's looking right. at is it a public account? If it is a public account, how yeah. far back can they go? And are they going well, to see something? In the US, something? they're requesting your login details. And I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, so there's been court cases about that, which is an interesting one. Which so must be infringing some form of personal rights well, then and get freedom into, of then speech. Then you get into and, messages. Mm. Do you, do you, can you read messages? Because you've got the login details. Of course. So that's, um, you know, the, as we all know, the, the, the law and regulation yeah. is always way behind the realities of the world at large. So we'll see how that catches up. One thing you mentioned earlier is something that you're a big ambassador for is diversity and inclusion. And I'm finding in the workplace now, there is some confusion in what it is. Um, can it unlock potential? Is it great for companies? Could you just, I guess, help me to put a spotlight on exactly when we talk about diversity and inclusion, what it is, what it means to you and what people can be doing to help it? So essentially, it's, it's very simple. If you're running a business, you need to get your hands on the best talent you possibly can. And if you're going to narrow or make that talent pool more shallow by having unconscious or mm. conscious bias, you're doing you and your business a disservice. So by embracing diversity, it doesn't mean you have to look like me or my mum. It's about diversity in all of its forms. It can be diversity just of thought because in dynamic markets, in businesses where your competitor mm. might not be down the road anymore, they could be in China, anywhere in the world, and also your customers, you need to understand the way they think. So my, all I push is embrace diversity because you will find people, it's, it's essentially a competitive advantage because your talent pool is wider and deeper than the people down the road. And what I always say is, and I was talent, the struggle to get into the city, the struggle to be a lawyer. I went to a comprehensive school in a mill town. Yeah. I did most of my exams twice, but I still ended up getting to, into a city law firm and then Credit Suisse, being an investment banker. That's because I didn't give up. A lot of people don't have that kind of determination. But the point about the talent is, is that it's out there and you can find it. And what you have to do is, you know, work a little bit harder, mm. but do not just hire yourself. Yeah. That's what everybody does. Well, we spoke briefly on this topic before, and I think I use the term, um, we should be trying to hire people better than we are, or at least have a skill that we don't. Because if we're creating clones of ourselves, the business and the company doesn't really have that much of a chance. Um, if we're thinking about somebody going through the process and they, think, and they have that concern, am I going to be discriminated against? Is it going to be a fair and even process? And of course, you can't quote on behalf of lots of different companies. But with the experience that you had, would it be fair to say that companies are going to lengths now to make sure that they can maximise the talent pool by interviewing everybody, no matter what, if they're the right person for the right job? Uh, no. Okay, so you think some companies are still in a, a bit of a restricted theory? I think theory? That they would like to. I think they talk about it. I think that actual implementing that is very, very difficult. And lots of, lots of large companies now, they actually train people mm. to avoid bias. They stop having you know names on CV, so yeah. you can't see if it's some you know if it's some name that actually indicates a particular religion or eth ethnicity. They kind of remove that out of the equation. So they're trying, but the issue is this: is you know. There's 5.7 million businesses in the UK, yeah? 99% of them have less than 10 employees. They are the employers. 60%, I think it is, of all private sector employment is by SMEs. Mm. So your large corporates, yes, they can have uh, training to help yeah. you do, you know, not, recruitment that's the most diverse it could possibly be. Your small companies, though, they're the ones that hire most people, yeah. and they're the ones that are more likely to have bias and keep recruiting themselves. I've worked with many, many companies where, 
you know, from top to bottom, they all, everyone looks the same. They think the same. So if we, if we had someone listen who actually worked for an SME, because ultimately that's what, when I started, we were a company of 10 and I didn't have the sophistication of a HR department. I didn't have a legal team to sit there and tell me the things I can and can't say. Uh, I wasn't able to put in a wellbeing policy and all the policies we need. What advice would you give to maybe a manager director in an SME who's interviewing? How can they remove the unconscious or conscious bias in their in their interview process. So you've got to take a good look at yourself. Mm. And sometimes you, if you're stuck in your ways, you've got a, a particular um, problem with a religion or the way someone looks or race, I can't really help you with that. <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to go and take a good hard look at yourself. Mm. But let's just talk about generically in terms of business. It's a competitive advantage to have access to better talent and a, a, a wider, deeper pool of talent. And that's what you have to do. So you need to a good look at yourself and say, am I recruiting people because I'm just comfortable talking to people who speak like me, look like me, believe in the same God and fall in love with the same sex? Think about it, have yeah. a conversation with yourself. Or if that's a problem, try and have a recruitment process where you do get someone in your business to take out those potential indicators, mm. like names are a particular one, of someone's race or ethnicity, if that's the issue. Yeah. And then just maybe in the recruitment process, and again, <laughs> I'm making stuff as I go along, really. No, that's but fine. Reach out to people that you would perhaps wouldn't always um, interview or bring them in, have a conversation with them, and just it's going to take a bit of your time. Yeah. But it's going to open your eyes to. I've had people where I've looked in a CV or even people that approached me online and said, Piers, you talked about this, helping my business. And usually I don't have the time to do it. But there'll be something there, nugget. Well, I think that's interesting, actually. Yeah. I'll open up a conversation with them and I learn something. And that's what you have to do. It's about opening up yourself to new things and that's what I think you're you right it's being brave enough to be a self-aware and be being able to do something that's not the norm and I also think if you're the, if you're a candidate going through the process if you feel there are any stages where and you can correct me if I'm wrong here if there's any stage where you don't feel like the process is fair or the process is biased my honest opinion is it's not the company for you they don't have the culture for you I think as a job seeker these days there is not more control but there's more options with the with the internet and the ways you can apply. There are lots of jobs out there. We don't have to take the one job we apply to if we get an interview. Make a call if the business doesn't fit what, you're, what you want and how you like to operate. Depends how big they are. True. So, I went in the city thinking, well, you know, I'm a mixed race kid from a mill town comprehensive. You know, even if I get in there, how long am I gonna last? I'll be yeah. found out sort of thing. And I kind of PR'd myself a little bit to help sort of help. But what I found was that once I got into these larger companies, it was very much a meritocracy. It's quite different finding yourself by hook or by crook somehow, getting yourself into a smaller business in a very small, perhaps in a collegiate environment that you'll kind of break into and then finding you're the different one. Mm. Now, it takes a quite a strong individual to do that uh, when there's a lot of pushback over time. Uh, and that's probably not gonna work. But what I would put out there is if you're a senior manager or someone running a business, you're doing yourself, your business and society at large a disservice by not at least trying in some way to widen that pool of talent that you have access to. I think one thing that um, I've shared with a lot of people before and I can share it after, we did a big survey last year, over 3,000 people looking at interview processes, looking at what questions are being asked. And the percentage of questions that were both unethical and borderline illegal was staggering. Um, there aren't, and this isn't to put fear for anyone looking at jobs. 
actually lots of interviews aren't professionally interview trained what they can and can't ask you need to appreciate there's an element is that because it's human nature to ask about what football team do you like exactly that what what religion are you it's just exactly that who do you live with all these things can lead into it do you need time off for religious reasons i mean these things you just can't ask because they can create any form of discrimination and what we're finding more and more and you are right the bigger companies are better at it because they have the resource and, and the personnel power to do it is if you're being asked some form of behavioral question i give an example of where you've done this before and that interview asks that in every question it is a standardized process of looking for behaviors as opposed to just looking at a cv and ruling in or ruling out um you shared a moment ago you're always looking for the nugget that nugget to give you the conversation with someone and i guess this is moving on the topic slightly but if i put a cv in front of you now and you had 10 CVs, they all had the same experience from the same company, the same background, which is very rare, but if I did, what's the one thing you look for to pull out that nugget of interest to help you see it? So it depends. So if if it's come through a process of where someone's had a look at them first, so they probably have, before it hits me, they've done their first stage of filter. They've got the skills, Hmm. but assuming that's not the case even, if I'm looking at a CV, um, which I haven't done for quite a while actually, but if you're looking at a CV, it's going to be the the piece about them okay. or the covering letter that I'm probably going to focus on more because you know if you're looking for someone that needs you know you biochemistry mm. experience and haven't got it then they're not going to get through the process. Yeah. But what you're going to find these days is that's a differentiator. Now I've worked in um, organisations where I've been involved in recruitment processes for graduates, and I've sat there with my background, looked at these people, and it's like, yeah, I went to Oxbridge, I rode for my country in the Olympics, I yeah. went to Harvard summer school. I think, oh my God, how the hell did I arrive here? But then when you read through them, the next TV is exactly the same. Mm. Next one's exactly the same. When we had a dress down Fridays, everyone turned up in some chinos, some I mean, Ralph Lauren shirts, some Gucci loafers, like 200 <laughs> people in the same outfit. That's just rubbish. Yeah. So again, you'll always find, I think, something will jump out. And that's why when you're applying for jobs, just flip the other side of the coin, yeah. you need to make sure that you, your personality, your dreams and aspirations are actually reflected in it. You're not just another person in a pair of chinos and a Ralph Lauren shirt. Yeah, well, we're not hiring robots, right? We're hiring people behind it. And well, we'll come on to that if you want as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, interesting, the recruitment process is going to automate to remove bias at some point, but it also removes the, the human element, which isn't good. So I'm, I'm conflicting with my thoughts. But go into that piece. Let's assume the covering letter's done a good job, but a lot of them are similar, and a, a lot of people don't provide it now, surprisingly. What's the... To get, so is that because they don't get asked? Or? It's a mixture, I think. If I if I put a role in the marketplace now for all, I'm not necessarily asking for a covering letter and you'll probably find only about 10 to 15% will provide a covering letter. And the challenge I sometimes find, the covering letter is clearly a generic one where they've just tweaked like the name yeah. and something. Oh, and you yeah. know instantly that That's I feel pointless. like it's spam and yeah. therefore they're out of the list. But let's say the covering letter is out. If you just had that CV and you want to get the personality out, you can put a statement at the top which can help to illustrate it. Is there another section of the CV that helps to draw out personality for you? Or is it throughout? I think it's throughout. It's also, mm. you know, I, I took great care in presentation. And then you know, I'm an ex-lawyer as well, so I've been trained to, I look at a document and all the missed commas and... Well, good job, I never sent you the document before this, then, in that case. But it's really important. I yeah. think if you're trying to, you know, show, sort of sell yourself, then make sure the presentation, don't overdo it, but yeah. make sure there's some thought in the presentation because, you know, and it's a simple thing, but you have to stand out from a crowd. And I think, again, don't just have some flashy presentation widget you've got on the internet. It's more about actually presenting yourself and just trying to do something which isn't too wacky, because that can turn people off as well, but which in some way just conveys a piece or a part or representation of who you are. How helpful do you find the hobbies and interests at the bottom of a CV? Well, so I'd put that into the covering letter, personal information piece. So 
that's that's quite important, I think, because um, again, there's also the the other game to play. Of course, is that do your research. Mm. So if someone's interviewing you, and I've done this, yeah. and they love golf, then I like golf. <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying lie, but that's an extreme. Do you like golf? I hate golf. <laughs> if you combine golf with clay pigeon shooting, I might get into okay. it. Okay, but yeah. um, but and that's an extreme example. But because mm. um, if you ask a question, you get found out very quickly. Yeah. But do you do your homework and don't just send out generic CVs and letters. Yeah. Do your homework on the people and tailor it to make it interesting to them because humans like to have common denominators. Absolutely. And the more of those you have, the more likely you are to get through the door. And my, my object, my objective, my strategy when I was trying to get into the city was get me through the door. Get and me I'll through do the, the door rest. and I'll do the rest. And I sat down in my interview with um, SJ Bowen with her partner and a, a senior associate there when I was at my interview. And I said, look, I've had lots of these interviews. I'm getting nowhere. I said, I can do this. Give me the chance. And if I don't, if I don't work out, fire me. Yeah. You have that right. But give me the chance. And they did. You backed yourself. I think that's the key thing. Yeah, you were brave and you backed yourself. Door. But it also says the point that CV gets an interview. Once you're in that room, you can forget about your CV. It's about you and your personality. Um, I think we've found some really interesting topics that will help people. Is there any final bits of advice or things you wanted to share just to help anybody considering moving jobs, interviewing, writing CVs? Any final bits of wisdom you can share? Well, the other thing we used to touch on really is um, fighting the machines. Mm. So you know, the Terminator style. Well, yeah, there's, there's two aspects to that. So one yeah. is you mentioned it is you know you will be able to use um, AI and machine yep. learning to sift through CVs to some extent. Mm. The point, but the other point is this: I'm a trustee of Nesta, which is the UK's largest innovation endowment, and we did a lot of research on the future of work and what's going to differentiate us from the machines and software writing software is creativity and i always say that when you're especially looking at smaller businesses and not large enterprises when i'm recruiting people i want people who come in and yes they they get their role yeah but they also understand in the context of a small business with all the pressures and risks that it has that they're enterprising and they're willing to be creative and try and add value not just going to sit there and say mm. here's my job Thank you very much. It's a job spec. And if I deliver on that and I get paid end of the week or month, thank you very much. I'm all happy. No, I want people that are, they're creative, they're going to add value. And they're the ones increasingly that uh, will succeed. Interesting enough, people talk about the future of work and people talk about, oh, it's going to be Uber drivers mm. or forklift truck drivers or people doing basic admin. No, accountants have got a major problem. Yeah. Software is pretty good at adding up. Lawyers, what do they do? They look at a large data set and apply logic. Mm. Software is pretty good at doing that. So we're all going to have to move up this value pyramid towards the top, and that's where you're going to add value. And you want hires and employees to do that. Yeah. I'm not saying work all hours and go above and beyond too much, but just apply themselves and, and understand that we're in a business together. If we succeed, you succeed, and you still get, keep getting paid. And I think ultimately you are, right? It's even the recruitment processes. Some of what I'd call the volume hiring, which is the slightly, not, not the less skilled hiring, but some of the roles that are more standardised across the industry, those roles in the recruitment process will go through automation. Those where the value-adding creative people that have to add more than just what they write down. In and making paper. sure, as we found out a couple of examples recently on the internet, I think it might have been Facebook, that the automation isn't biased. I think that might have been Amazon, actually. Is it Amazon? I think so Amazon making a particular type of hire of a particular age, a particular background, and I think they're all male as well. I think You've got to be memory. careful that when you're using software that you're not programming or setting it up mm. to recruit you yeah. again because all what you've asked for is 
easy and it makes you feel comfortable. It goes back to what you're saying. A lot of people tend to hire themselves as opposed to thinking outside of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, Piers, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time. I, I can absolutely guarantee there's things there that not only I've taken away, but all of our listeners will as well. So thanks for your time and good luck with everything else. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad I hope it was useful. Uh, it was. Thank you. Thank you.